It's our unofficial, official start to the podcast. We always do it that way. Because <laughs> I never know when to start. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I literally like make her wait for five seconds while I stare straight into her <laughs> eyes <laughs> and then go, hi, Emily. <laughs> she takes it really well, to be honest. I do. Yeah. I do. I also sometimes hold my breath. Oh, really? That's yeah. a good way to start a pod. Because I don't want to breathe into the mic. Oh, good good call. So I just don't breathe. So you're telling me that if in the future I were to wait mm. like 15 <laughs> or 20 seconds, you would be hurting a little bit? Mm, remember, I'm a singer. I mean, that's true. A whole minute? That would hurt. <laughs> well, my coloratura training only takes me so far. I am well, not a scuba driver. Driver? What? Scuba driver. Hey, my story has scuba divers in it. Oh, so mine doesn't. They're now scuba drivers. Perfect. <laughs> That's fine. We just have yet to figure out how our stories are connected. I'm I doubt sure. they are. Honestly, like we will see this time around. All I know about yours is I fucked up. Almost nothing. <laughs> it's both true crime and not true crime. Because so for those of you who tuned in last time, I didn't remember which one we were doing. So it was a cult. So it kind of like fell into both categories. Yeah. And then I had the same issue this time around because I was like, wait a second. I did non-true crime, but was I supposed to do true crime? So then this time I should do non-true crime doing true crime. Wait. So I just I'm doing non-true crime. That's also true crime. I like it. With and a splash of mystery. Nice. And this is how you know that uh, Emily doesn't listen to our podcast. Um, <laughs> and you know what? That's fine because it's weird to listen to your own podcast, I think. I do download it. That counts. Numbers. What's up? I You're am on a subscriber. There. That's good. That's all that matters. So um, just for you. I'm contributing. Yes. But it's too weird to listen to us. Yeah. I have a hard time. It's not great. Um. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Uh, you guys have to listen. You guys have to listen to it. Only yeah, Emily we're, is we're present in the moment when it's recorded. Right. But we appreciate if you're subscribing and you're downloading, but it'd be also awesome if you listen. Yeah, that'd be like super rad. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, uh, you're going first. I am. I'm super interested in this dash of mystery that we're about to learn about. I had like a super cool segue that I came up with in the car ride over here. Fuck. What is it? I was by festival. Come on, brain. Think of things. Come on, brain. Be so smart. Nope. Damn it. It's gone. Not even Lin-Manuel Miranda's vines can help you. I know. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's gone. It's, it's gone sad. forever. That's fine. I say you just dive right in. All Shout right. some shit. So let's travel back in time. Okay. I'm always for that. Let's go back to... 1979. Ooh. Mm. Not a great time. Mm -mm. But okay. Especially not to be over anywhere near the West Coast. No. That's... No. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's late 1979, heading into 1980. We meet Sarah Pisan. Hello, in, Sarah. She has uh, three kids. She's 19. Oh, my God. Okay. Her children are five. Four and three. Whoa. She's going through a nasty divorce, so she wanted a fresh start. So actually, between 16 and 19, she wasn't having kids. That was her cool-down period yeah. from having all those kids before. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, you know, having a five, four, and three. Oh, my God. She's 19. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
Can't even imagine. Okay. We are 10 years older than that Ooh. with no kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh-uh. Can't do that. Not at, oh God, me at 19 with a five-year-old would oh my be God. just. I know. I was a piece of shit. Like, no. <laughs> I didn't wear shoes with ties on them because it was just too much. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, also, though, what? So her first kid, she was 14? Like, yeah. I was a piece of shit at 14, too. Like, oh, my God. I was God. a hot mess. You're a child. Yes. Like. So. All right. Three kids. All girls. Oh. So she's got them in the car. They're moving to Las Vegas. Okay. Because she knows a family there that was going to let them stay with her for a little while. So. Fresh start, super excited. All three kids in the car. They're having a great time. They get to Vegas. They move in with a couple that she knew. Um, the husband of the couple worked at one of the casinos. So, like, he was well enough, like, he could support having a young mother with three kids Just in his house for a little while. Yeah. yeah. They had a fantastic time. She was out job hunting on like day two of being in Vegas. Dope. Getting it. Landed a job her second day there Whoa. with her first interview. Whoa. Started same day. Whoa. Yes. They really needed they, people. They really needed people and they really liked her. Awesome. So it was the Turbal Hearst Gas Company in Vegas. First night of work, she meets Sherry. Remember this name. I'm going to mention it a few times. Sherry is not our survivor. Okay. I'm so sorry. Sherry is not our survivor. <laughs> okay. At least we know. Don't she get meets, attached to Sherry. Don't get attached to Sherry. <laughs> she meets Sherry in the first night of work um, because Sherry had taken the night off for a date that she was having with a man named Andrew. And Sherry came in and introduced herself to the new girl and then went out on her date. She got picked up by this guy. Sure. So she kind of meets Sherry. That's their first introduction. So Sarah keeps working. She lands an apartment pretty quickly because, I mean, she's already like day two making money while she's, she's in Vegas. She's, yeah. She probably, I think, like within her first month of being in Vegas, had an apartment for her and her three kids. Out there killing it. Already. Just wow. like fucking, she's a go-getter. Yeah, good for her. So she got an apartment. Um, she and Sherry started to get really close because, I mean, she was just working all the time. Mm -hmm. um, what is she doing with her kids? She had a babysitter. Okay. Dope. Named Terry. Oh. Oh, Sherry and Terry? Yes. Good. Yep. I won't get that confused. Nope. I really won't. My mom's name is Sherry. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so she has a babysitter because she's working, you know, a bunch of crazy shifts because she's working at one of the gas stations. So sometimes night shifts happen. Oh, sure. So Sherry is with her one night and Sherry's getting picked up after work by her boyfriend, Andrew. She, Sherry was like super head over heels for this guy. Definitely falling for him. He picked her up like after work every night. And she just would always say he was such a gentleman and just such an amazing guy. I have a bad feeling already, weirdly enough. So one night. Andrew picks her up and just stands outside of the car, staring at Sarah the whole time. Oh, my God. What? 
fucking weird, right? Uh-huh. Well, Sarah didn't like it either. Yeah. She gets her first uh-oh feeling. Oh, oh, oh Sarah. Oh, yeah. Remember? Remember what this whole remember podcast was like about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember how we used to, like, try to find those? Um. Well, good. I'm glad we have one in this story. Yeah. I think my segue was tied to that somehow. I don't. I don't remember. God damn I it! I don't remember. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. You'll you'll come up with it at the very end. I will. <laughs> so she felt like he was looking at her like she was just a piece of meat, nothing sure. more. Sure. Yeah. And she didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And her gut was like, uh, uh-uh. don't like this. Fuck don't like that it. guy. Yeah. yeah. So two days later, Sherry comes into work, super upset. Uh oh. Just like crying not wanting to talk about anything like obviously not wanting to be there sarah finally gets the information out of her turns out andrew was married so they broke it off and she was devastated oh shit so he's just lying to her the whole time she had no idea oh well the day after that sherry doesn't show up for work oh no oh no and she was never the type to do a no call no show Right. So she's just MIA. No one can get a hold of her. Oh, God. Red flags everywhere. So the cops stop by to get some information because, I mean, it's a missing persons case. Right. They don't really know much, but they, like, kind of tell them about Andrew. And you're like, well, she was seeing this guy, but they just broke it off and she was really upset. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the following day, the police find Sherry's Jeep in a shopping center parking lot abandoned. More red flags. Yes. Just a- so Sarah has that realization that Sherry's probably not coming back because she's probably not okay. Because she wouldn't leave her Jeep abandoned in a parking lot. So she's she's sensing that she might be dead already or just... Like she's just really worried about Sherry and it's like something's wrong. Sure. So a few months pass. Months? Yep. Oh, sorry. My animals are fighting. I'm going to shut the door. Okay. Okay. So a few months pass. Sarah gets promoted. So she's now one of the managers. So she's running her own station. Wow. Within a few months. Good for her. Yeah. She must be killing it. Yeah. So they gave her the station that was known as the armpit of the West. Oh no. Because it tended to just kind of have rougher customers. But she found most people to just be really nice. Like, yeah, there were a couple rougher ones, but, like, everybody else was pretty good. Sure. So, because she was now one of the managers, she'd been given a beeper by her supervisor. And because, you know, this is now, like, 1980, this is one of those newfangled beepers that reads the message out loud. Like, you can leave a voicemail on the beeper. Oh, my God. It's such a big deal. Technology is amazing. So she had this beeper because the messages would be left and she'd have to get a hold of other managers in the area if, like, there was a shipment coming or whatever. Before we had smartphones, man. People still didn't want to be talking on the phone. Yeah. They wanted to read a text. Yeah. (laughs) So this beeper would, like, beep at her and then it would the voice recording would go off. So anybody in the room would be able to hear it. Oh, great. This is important. Uh-oh. Don't forget about the beeper. I will not forget about the beeper. They're the weirdest piece of technology ever. Yes. So one morning she was out doing her job and she noticed that there was just like a vehicle parked, but not getting gas. And she's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Well, this guy walks over to her, introduces himself as Robert. 
Oh, no. And somehow knew that she was the new manager. Oh, no. Which wasn't really, like, out there. But she was like, okay, whatever. You think if she, they knew that, she would also recognize him. Right. Because he was, he was good looking. He seemed nice. Like. Sure. Not someone that would necessarily worry you. It's not like some slobbering slender man <laughs> creeping out of the shadows. Is that the only thing that worries you or? Sometimes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. A lot of things worry All me. Right. Let's be real here. Lots of things are spooky. <laughs> yep. So he asks her out. She politely declined hmm. because she just stepped into this manager role. She has three kids. Like She's a single mom raising. She's got shit to do. She's busy. So he's like, that's okay. He's like, I'll give you some time. Also, she's at work. Don't yeah. do that to people at <laughs> like, work. Don't catch him off guard. Right. Just like, oh, yeah. Hey, so you're the new manager here. You want to go out to dinner sometime? Right. When they're in a situation where they are obligated to be nice to you yes. because they are at work. Yes. Like, don't do that shit. So, like I said, she's like, she's kind of still getting settled. He's like, that's okay. That's okay. So he started to just kind of keep coming in. Oh, no. And he would ask her almost like every day. He'd ask her out. Oh, God, dude. And she'd say no. And it just kind of turned into a thing that they did. This is now, so this is four months after Sherry disappeared. Sarah was in the shower at home. Oh, no. Don't say things like that. I don't like sentences that start like that. When her beeper goes off. Okay. She immediately turns off the shower and grabs a towel because she doesn't want to miss the message. And she is a good employee. Yes. She is dedicated to her job through and through. The message goes off and it's a man's voice saying, you look good in a towel. <gasps> no. Oh, my God. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, I've never heard of a beeper being involved <laughs> in something this spooky before. Uh -huh. No. Uh. Uh-huh. So here's a quote from Sarah. She's like, the first thought that popped into my head was, wow, this is a really unusual coincidence or someone is watching me. Yeah. The other thing is, what? So the beeper goes off and she's in the shower. She gets out of the shower. She's not in a towel until after the yeah. beeper's gone off. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. He's just like guessing that's what's going to. Mm -hmm. What? A, oh, I hate it. I yeah. hate it for so many reasons. Yep. So this, this went on for a couple of months, the beeper messages. Um, and the, they started to just get worse. And worse and grosser and nastier and, and more vulgar. She's not telling anybody. She's just kind of like, she's just dealing with it. Oh man, honey. And I'm going to get into that. So mostly he was telling her things that he was going to do for her or do to her. Ugh. Um, she also mentioned that occasionally she could hear him masturbating in the background. Ew. Ew, beepers are crazy. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I keep going back to like, fuck? you can hear the noise of fapping on a beeper. Yes. Like, what the fuck? Ew. Well, just think of it this way. Like, if you can hear it on the phone. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Because I worked in a call center where we had some weird people calling in and one guy was masturbating in the background. Ew. And you could tell. Ew. It was gross. Also, how long is And we weren't allowed to hang up on those people. No. This was uh, a horrible company. That's really bad. Yeah. All right. So she gets a new message. It's almost time to come and get you. What? Oh, no. Leave. Get the fuck out of there. So she starts turning the beeper down. She doesn't turn it off. Just down. Because she wants to make sure her kids don't hear it. 
Oh, honey. Because they were getting worse. So here's oh. here's one of the messages. No. This is uh-huh. It's happening. No. So this one was different because there was a new addition at the end of the message. Oh god. So the message was, I can't wait. First I'm going to tie you up, then I'm going to cut you up. And at the end of the message, she heard a woman screaming. <gasps> oh my god. Sherry? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speculating over here. It's not not Sherry. Oh, God, Sherry. So Sarah hit the point where she was she was turning the beaver off. Like she just she couldn't handle work is less important hearing than... the messages anymore. And she didn't want to tell her company that someone was sending her weird messages oh. because the beeper was a requirement for the job. And she didn't understand that like okay maybe they can get her new beeper like anything right. like that she just didn't want to risk anything because sure. this was still new for her right i get it and she's 19 i know yeah she's also just and like real young uh-huh. yeah she oh, also honey. didn't go to the cops because she's like what are they gonna do for me i would Which... leave that beeper with the cops for a day like be like just keep it literally keep it but here's the thing because i was looking at I knew I wanted to do a stalker story and a lot of the stories that I found, they would go to the police and the police would blow them off because there's no hard evidence. Right. You're literally just saying you're just person someone's is. bugging me. Right. With really awful things. And that's what I mean. Like, I don't, I mean, they wouldn't accept it. I just be like, take this fucking beeper, carry it around with you for 24 hours. And like, if the person who's watching me doesn't know that I don't have it on me, you're going to get some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I'm sure they'd be like, ma'am, take your fucking beeper and get out of this <laughs> place. Like, So she goes back to work and notices that her beeper number was on display. Like it was on a clipboard that someone could see it if they were looking for oh, it. Oh, shit. Okay. So she moves it. She hides it. She figures out that's probably how he got the number. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little late. He's yeah. got it, but still, no so, one else can get it. Like I said, she didn't really talk to anyone about this. Like, she would call her mom occasionally, but she couldn't, she didn't feel like she could tell her mom what was going on because uh. her mom was having a lot of health issues. So she was having a lot of chest pains and she'd already had a stroke. Oh, shit. So she was dealing with this and she's like, I don't want to add to her stress. Right. Yeah, I can understand that. I can't imagine going through something like this so totally alone. Like that's right. Like her friend is gone and like her only family is her kids. And like, yeah, there's not that many people. I'm sure yeah. she feels like she can trust. Yeah. So the messages continue. This is like, it's finally hitting a point where like in the messages, he is telling her like, I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to fuck you. And then I'm going to kill you. And he talks about like, just all sorts of awful things. Jesus. Just very descriptive, very graphic, very gross. So she's still working while all of this is happening. And you remember our good guy, Robert, that keeps asking her out yeah. every day? Uh-huh. He's still asking her out every day. God damn it, And he Robert. kind of catches her off guard one day, and she says yes. Just like, She's fine. probably like, this is the yeah. last thing I fucking like, need. I fine. Just, I, okay, okay. One day. Okay, I'll go. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I'll call you to set it up sometime soon. He calls like 15 minutes later. Oh my God, dude, chill the fuck out. 
So they said that he was going to pick her up at home at seven. Uh huh. And at the end of the call, he says, I've been looking forward to this day for a very long time. Oh, no. Oh, I mean, I know that you could take that as like he's been asking her out for that. Right. Long, but still the, the way. So here's a quote from Sarah. Mm hmm. The tone that he had when he told me that he'd been looking forward to the to dating me for a long time, it gave me kind of the chills. Oh, the way he said it. I didn't have a contact number for him. He only had the contact number for me and my address. And something just told me, don't go. Yeah. Don't go. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Because it's not. Yeah, it's not the words. It was literally the way he said it mm -hmm. because in like they did like a dramatization of it. Sure. And the way the actor did it is their tone slowed down to the way the messages were in the beeper. Oh, my God. So his vocal tone dropped and then the pace slowed down. That makes so much sense that the, if this is the same person that they're like they're you can hear their voice on the beeper. Mm -hmm. So they have to be talking differently in yeah. person than in the beeper. Otherwise. Yep. And he just doesn't hide it there. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So instead of being home at 7 p.m., mm -hmm. she stayed at work. Smart. And she... oh, but he also knows her there. Oh, God. She just doesn't have anywhere else to go. I'm sorry. I'm like, freaking I know. Out. Poor Sarah. I know. Ugh. So she stayed at work until about 930 p.m. to try and make sure like he wouldn't be there when she got home. She was terrified yeah. of seeing him again because she knew like he was probably going to be upset that she stood him up. Mm hmm. So the next night, she's at work. She's out doing something on one of the pumps, and she sees his truck. Oh, God. She barely made it inside out of the way before he was able to run her over. Like, he tried to run her over. Oh, my God. Yeah, just guns it, I'm sure. Yeah. Holy shit. She gets inside, locks the door. She has a coworker there with her. He comes up, is pounding on the glass, screaming at her oh my god and is like is it money you want is it you want money and he's like throwing money at the windows and then he says i went through a lot of trouble and you didn't show up you selfish bitch you ruined everything oh my i god. had plans for you oh my god you know he had like a fucking everything was just yeah set up uh-huh he was so ready to just make good on all of the threats that he'd been making. And so for anyone playing him. at home who hasn't figured it out, Robert is the voice on the beeper. Right. Two weeks go by. Oh. I mean, where's, <laughs> where's the coworker on this? Somebody called the fucking cops. <sighs> Two weeks go by. Oh my God. <laughs> She's at home. She hears a strange noise. She goes to investigate. No. She can't find anything she doesn't know where the noise came from but it like it freaks her out yeah dude and then the beeper calls start getting worse it starts getting more violent like worse than it already yes. was like because now he's talking about dismemberment he's talking about this is gross guys this is gross removing her eyes and doing horrible things to her skull Ugh. like just Bad shit. Oh, my God. Like, this guy is a full-blown psychopath. Mm -hmm. He's fucked up. Holy shit. Another quote from Sarah. You could hear the excitement in his voice. I was feeling more scared for my daughters than I was for me. Um, and just to interrupt this quote, 
because she does say earlier, like, she feels like she would at least be able to fight him off a little bit, mm-hmm. but, like, her daughters would be completely vulnerable. Yes, oh, my God. Continuation of the quote. And I thought if he's acting like this towards me, he could probably do something to children, and it probably wouldn't bother him either. I didn't even know who to tell. That, oh, my God. He's, she's totally right. Yeah. Like, and this is all just psychological torture that's just getting worse and worse and worse and she's starting to have nightmares her work performance i'm guessing is starting to suffer oh my god it has to she's not getting enough sleep it's on your mind all the time because the beepers are going off any time of day or night oh my god so there was one beeper call that happened at 2 a.m woke her up for like out of a sleep just like completely straight up Mm -hmm. and she the first thing she heard was just whimpering just like a whimpering and she didn't know if it was human or animal and then it got worse and it became very clear that it was a female voice crying oh uh, the crying then turned into screams uh, um other beeper calls later sounded like someone was being beat uh she said some of them sounded like someone was actually being killed on the beeper call oh my god one, two, Honey. skip a few. It's six months after Sherry's disappearance. Okay. So this has been going on. Two months. For six months now, total. Okay. I guess it was just, she meets Robert four months later. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, like, this shit's been going on. hmm So she gets a call from her mom, who's freaking out, because her mom said she just got a call from the Las Vegas Police Department saying that... Sarah was somehow linked to a homicide. Oh, my God. She then immediately gets a call after she hangs up from Detective Brady, who had been investigating Sherry's murder or, well, missing her disappearance at the person's case. Sure. And Detective Brady tells her, you're in grave danger. You need to be out of sight right now. So she's at work. Wow. So he tells her to lock the door. And get somewhere where no one can see her. Like, it's that imminent that he's not like, I'm coming to get you. I'm putting a protective detail. It's, you, you need, need to, to be, be not seen right now. You need to be not seen right now. We are on our way to your location, but you need to be not seen. Oh, my God. Oh, so scary. So she locks the front door. She goes back into her office and, like, sits on the floor hiding yeah. in the dark. Oh. And she kind of talks about, like, that moment of being like, oh, my God. What the fuck is happening? I don't right. even know. Like, what's she coming can't for her? Wrap her mind around what's happening. Uh-huh. God, at least somebody knows. So the cops get there, and there she sees like the lights and sirens, and she hears the detective banging on the door, and he announces himself very loudly, of being okay. like, "Hey, this is me. You can unlock the door." Okay. <laughs> so they tell her that Sherry's body had been located earlier that night. That she had been raped repeatedly and then murdered. Oh, Sherry. And they'd found a wallet at the scene of the crime. And that had Sarah's name and her home address. Weird. Yeah. Okay, so it's Robert's wallet. Yes. But also, do they know that? Did he have his ID? Did he drop his wallet on purpose? No, it just had her name and address. It's got to be somewhat purposeful. So the cops have her get into the backseat of the squad car and get down so no one can see her. Legit. And then they take her to the police station. So they basically just keep her down. Yeah. 
Oh my god, smart. So, she gets to the police station, and she's given this giant binder of mugshots and pictures of men. It's always so creepy to me, the number of people in a binder like that. Like, well, And we think any of these guys could well, be. <laughs> here's the thing. All the photos in the binder are of the same person. Oh, oh my God, what? That's not how that usually goes on TV. <laughs> so she's going through this binder. And yeah, and then I have in my notes, surprise, it's a serial killer. Oh my God. Who was, who was called the chameleon. Ooh, ooh. Oh, creepy. So, Stephen Peter Morin, also known as the Chameleon, uh-huh. um, had started killing in 1969. So, he had been on the run since 1969. And just nice. leaving a trail of God damn it. <laughs> okay, but it's been 10 years. He's been doing this for 10 yeah. years, totally on the run, never been caught. Never been caught. Woof. So... She found the picture that looked like Andrew, the guy that Sherry had been dating. Uh-huh. Then she also found the picture that looked like Robert. Okay. Thank you. I was wondering. Yep. <laughs> so he's just like a master of fucking disguise? So what he was doing was he would take names off of tombstones that were close to his own age, get the birth certificates, and then use those as aliases until... He needed to move again. It must have used to be real easy to get a birth certificate. That was my thing. <laughs> like, so you don't have to provide like any other form of identification. Yeah, what the fuck? Because he would like send for it in the mail. Okay, yeah, that's Garbo. Yeah. Um. So, um, so this is when she starts putting the pieces together that she's pretty sure the screams on her beeper calls had been Sherry. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Um, the police talked her through kind of what happened to sherry um they also showed her his other victims that they had tied officially tied to him mm -hmm. and she was starting to see all of the things he'd been threatening her with oh god of like yeah. the dismemberment the eye removal gunshot wounds stabbings the rapes torture the beatings like all of it so he was all over the place he, and he totally oh my god, he didn't stuff. have one mo he, That's, I mean, the chameleon works for a number yeah. of different reasons. And, like, he was, I looked at some of the photos. He could, seriously, like, he could change his identity. In one photo, he looked like your average, like, Midwestern white male. In another, sure. he looked Hispanic. Like, he went from blonde to brunette to redhead to changing his teeth. Like, wow. everything. He was a master of disguise, and it was terrifying that is crazy fucking terrifying oh my god so the police tell her she can't go home like you have to get out of your apartment you have to get as far away from this place as possible because he is obsessed with you All and he, he is not is going to stop mm -hmm. until he gets you after the police the next day she goes back to her apartment to get a few things she takes a friend with her oh thank god like, who is this friend? Save they don't her. make it into the apartment. Oh, my God. Her friend had, like, grabbed her when they were outside her door. Mouth to her, get into the car. They turned around, ran into her car, and fucking got the hell out of there. So the friend saw? The friend heard him behind the door. 
Like, so they're She heard a man's voice behind the door. Oh, my God. Holy shit. They almost walked into... They almost walked into an ambush. Mm -hmm. So two hours later, the cops are there. And Sarah's back. And the cops confirmed he'd been sitting in a chair behind the door with a gun waiting for her to come home. Because he was going to shoot her. That makes total sense. I mean, at this point... He's just trying to kill her. Yeah, like, he just, he just like, he's so fixated. Mm-hmm. He's got to just, like, basically gonna, add her tally to his collection. Right. Like, it's he's just, not going to keep not her for, let her go. Yeah. He's not going to keep her for six months the way no. he did with Sherry. Like, There's he no time was for that. toying with that idea, mm-hmm. but no, not, not anymore. Right. So, she noticed that the address books that she kept by the door had been gone through. Oh. So, he now knows... Where like her entire family is, oh, he knows my. every address. He knows every phone number. He knows every name. Oh my god! Of anyone she had in her contact books. So her thought is like, "There's nowhere I can go. Right? Like I can't like go home. I can't do anything. Right? So she does end up going home to her parents because i mean it's just it's so fucking traumatic it's so you much you have to do something you have to go somewhere so you have much. to bring your kids somewhere yep. like you ugh. so and i i don't necessarily know that if she had gone somewhere to try and start over he wouldn't have been able to find her because he was so obsessed yeah i mean who knows yeah my god so she went home uh there was a police presence like at each end of the block she wasn't allowed to go outside her kids weren't allowed to go outside like, she was locked down in her parents' house, and that's it. That's crazy. Because he was still out there. So that was in Bullhead, Arizona, which is 100 miles south of Las Vegas. And they just consider him so fucking dangerous that it's like, doesn't we, matter. You can't go outside until we catch We're him. We're watching you 24-7. Because yeah. oh he my is God. going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what he's done to the women that he's had. Oh, my God. So here's the thing. So she's locked down. Police presence is there. He's still calling. So he's calling her at home on her parents' phone. I mean, of course he's got that, but like, oh my God. And he's like telling her, I still know where you are and I can still come and get you. Just the balls on this dude. Yeah. So she moves again. This time she goes to Texas City, Texas. Didn't know there was one of those. I didn't either until this moment. I'm like, oh, that's redundant. Hilarious. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, there's New York City, New York. We can't really judge them that much, but still. So she moves in with her aunt and uncle. So it's now December of 1981. The police managed to arrest him when he was trying to board a Greyhound bus to get out of San Antonio, Texas. So he was down in Texas. He had made it down to Texas. Oh, my God. He had killed a woman in San Antonio. He'd shot her when he was stealing, his, stealing the car. Oh, like she surprised him when he was stealing her car and she she got shot. So, wow. Yeah. So they catch him and they speculated that he was trying to get to Texas City. Because he was so fucking fixated on her. I mean, what else is he doing right now? Nothing. He isn't just going to drop it. She is his white whale. Yeah. Like, my God. Yeah. There's a throwback for you. Yes. Don't call him Ishmael, please. Please don't. <laughs> so many names. He's been everything. So he did plead guilty to four counts of murder, which he pled guilty in the state of Texas, guys. 
Yeah, they'll kill you down there. They did. Oh, good. I love a story <laughs> with a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> so he pled guilty to the four counts of murder, and he was linked to at least another 30 unsolved cases. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You got to wonder with the pleading guilty to stuff, it's like they must have so much evidence, but also like... He just like, yeah, I killed those four, but you'll never know who else I did. Or yeah. didn't. you never, those families will never as be sure. As far as I know, he never confirmed any other information. Not a talker. No. <laughs> Great. Not unless it's through a beeper, I guess. Apparently they should have so given him a I beeper. They should have. <laughs> so they executed him in 1985. It's um, not that long. No, that was pretty, it was a pretty quick turnaround time yeah. from when he was convicted to when he was executed. I suppose he pled guilty, so he's not sitting there appealing yeah, for a no, million years. Yeah, he's not yeah. fighting it. He did find Jesus in those four years. Oh, sure, he fucking did. Yeah. I don't goddamn believe that for a second. He can eat my dick. And there was like, there's like the quote of like his last words. And then in the, the, the documentary that I was watching, they have the dramatization of his execution. <laughs> and he's like forgive them for what like they don't know what they do and it's like whoa wait a sec my dude forgive Uh, them yeah they don't know what they do yeah excuse me bitch uh jesus is a little busy trying to forgive all your shit it's (gasps) hard there's a lot to go through it apparently took them 40 minutes to find a usable vein because he was such a heavy drug user oh wow that's fascinating yeah he was a heavy drug user but also like meticulous enough and yeah Planned enough, like, he to not looked get caught. clean. Yeah. Weird. Which is very weird. That is weird. I mean, I know that some people can be on heroin and just, like, kind of live their know. lives. Yeah. Yeah. But still. Yeah. Eventually, it catches up with them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he did shoot a lady while trying to steal her car, so it's a little reactive for him. Yeah. Seems like. He's he probably... Was, he all, was spiraling. Oh, yeah. All kinds of pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> she kept running, and he couldn't get her, and it's just... It's, yeah. Um, it's not good to play hide and seek with a serial killer. No, they don't like it. Yeah, especially someone this crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's... it's like they say he's one of the worst serial killers of our time, just with his cruelty and of I've what never he did. Fucking heard of him? Yeah, that's crazy. Because his crime, like the shit he did, is so fucked up. Yeah, it sounds like it. All and them... we probably haven't really heard of him because he didn't have a crazy trial. Right. Because that's really where, like, Ted Bundy and Manson come into play. Mm -hmm. It's like people know about them. Well, mainly because Manson made a name for himself. But the trial and the circus going around the trial with Bundy representing himself and Manson and his followers. Yeah. Being fucking weird. The media didn't have time to sensationalize him. Even the way they did, like, Dahmer, where it's like... That was a, he was pretty normal at trial, but like they got to be like, he was a man eater. Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah. was just, this no, was I just mean, a straight up serial killer. He brutalized women who doesn't. Yeah. Like, he, he does have some documentaries out about him mainly because he was known as the chameleon and just like the tactics he used for that. So there is like crisis. information out there about him, but there's like nothing out there really about her. That's crazy. She did write a book. Um, I believe it's called Sarah's Story. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to. I want to, not um, to. The warnings I found are that she's very detailed. It's very graphic. You probably get to hear so, oh, so many of those beeper messages. Yeah. So if you pick up that book, 
just be prepared. It's probably just one big, massive trigger warning. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hella fucked up. I can only imagine. Um, So there was an interview with her. And I have answers to a couple of her questions. So they asked, how has your life changed since your experience? She says, after many years of trying to block this horrible experience out of my mind, I'm doing well. And I finally found closure by telling my story. Writing, okay, up here it is. Sarah's story, target of a serial killer, actually forced me to relive my experience all over again. It took many, many years, many nightmares, and a lot of sleepless nights to get through it. It also compelled me to warn women everywhere that these types of predators do exist, and they usually seem very normal and harmless, even gaining your trust. Um, Unfortunately, this type of experience also makes you very leery of people. I'm always very aware of my surroundings, and I don't like to sit with my back to a door. I'm always careful, and I'm usually not too far from a gun. Um, This is something that's also been passed along to my three daughters. Her three daughters also had children. So she's now a grandmother of five. Oh, she's 52. She lives in Oregon and she's by the coast. She likes to spend time with her family, fishing, clamming and crabbing. Wow. She paints, <laughs> reads and does various crafts and she works in the insurance industry. Good for you, Sarah. Yeah. Proud of you. Yeah. So she's, she's doing great. And we're really sorry about Sherry. Yeah. That's the part that really sucks. I know. Oh, but I know that Sarah did everything she thought was right at the time. Right. And she was just out there doing her best. Yeah. It's just, those things are scary and hard and nobody really knows how to react to them. Yeah. So yeah. that's so. totally legit. So yeah, she got through it. She did. And at least he got caught because he was around chasing her being a total freak. So. Yeah. He got real stupid. Mm-hmm. Good. Glad he's dead. You know how sometimes you're glad people are dead? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It was a very good day when Manson died. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God, yes. Because we he like, kept oh, shut the fucking fuck appealing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, one day, some fucker is going to let him out. Right? It's like, they're just going to be like, look, he's all sad. We'll put him in, like, a ward somewhere. Like, yeah. no. No, no. <laughs> no. He's got a Nazi tattoo on his forehead. Do Keep not him. let him out. He wanted to start a race riot between people. Yes. Like, you literally wanted to fucking start a war. Yes. No. Never. All right. We're going to switch gears. We're going to get kind of light up in here. (laughs) But that's fine. It's like your palate cleanser. (laughs) That's that's the way it be sometimes. Do you see anything that ties ours together? No. I'm, like, so surprised. Maybe I missed something as I tell it. You know, you can tell me. But eh, these these are not in any way... uh, connected as far as i know so it is april 1965 i was mm. really hoping you would say something in the 60s and i was like maybe that no well a <laughs> little bit mm-hmm. he started in 69 sure 69 nice <sighs> <laughs> but this is april 1965 steve wilson is our survivor one of them and he is 20 years old and he is a student at arkansas tech university He's majoring in wildlife management. Oh, he's got three friends. Okay. Only three. That's it. I literally wrote down. <laughs> I don't know if he only has three friends, but for our purposes today, he's got three fucking friends. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like we know each other. I know it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Their names are Hogan Bledsoe, uh, Mike Hill and Hugh Shell. 
Oh my god. I thought for a second like one was named Hogan and then the other was named Bledsoe and I'm like Oh my god, right? 60s were horrible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo here. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's Hogan, Mike, and Hugh. Um, And they are all, all four of them, experienced cavers. They're like adventure bros. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that's fine, I guess. (laughs) I went spelunking once. I mean, that seems like a rad idea, honestly. Uh, I would totally do it. It was something. But well, I got stuck on a rock. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. That's it's a normal fine. Thing. I survived. It's fine. Yes, I'm here. That's your survivor story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they decide one day they are going to explore Roland Cave in, in Stone County, Arkansas. And they want to see if it happens to meet up with a place called Blanchard Springs Caverns. It's like two miles away. They're just kind of wondering, oh, I wonder if we can like find a way from one to the other. Because this was like a previously unexplored section of the cave. The federal government hadn't come in and been like, this is a cave that's good. Hey, Taylor. Yeah. Are they going to get stuck in a cave? Hey, ho. Going to get stuck in a cave. What's uh. up? So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look. I don't recommend this. <laughs> this isn't. This isn't something I recommend you do. Just go into a cave that the government doesn't know about. Anyway, so they get their gear together. They've got appropriate cave clothing, whatever that is, ponchos, an inflatable raft, um, and just like some goddamn uh, bologna sandwiches, <laughs> I guess, because this is a day trip for them. So they go on Friday. And I think it's probably April 2nd. Nobody says, but based on like when other things happened, I'm pretty sure it's April 2nd. I literally got to use the internet to tell me the dates of like the calendar for April in 1965. What a time to be alive. I get to find that out in like two seconds. So it's April 2nd. Fuck it. The men enter that cave that Friday and they are intending to be out by Sunday the entrance to Roland Cave leaves leads to this like passage that dips down some, and then it's like 800 feet back is a part of the cave known as the Cathedral Room or the Crystal Room, depending on which article you're reading. God damn it! <laughs> Honestly, though, like all that tells me is that it probably looks super sick in there. Like it's probably a real dope looking cave room with a bunch of got shit. some nice echoes. Absolutely. It either looks like a cathedral or it's full of crystals. Like, awesome. So, they make it easily through there. They get through the cathedral room, as I'm going to call it. And they start following this narrow little stream back and back and back. And they're walking for a long time into Saturday. I'm sure they set up camp or whatever. No, but they just kept walking. Just kept walking. Just kept walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. <laughs> At one point after they entered the cave, outside... It starts to rain a whole bunch. Uh Oh, they don't know. They don't know this at all. Well, yeah. they went in and it was like blue skies. And then at some point it was like just rainfall all the time. So I don't know if this sounds familiar to anybody who's like followed maybe the Thai soccer team story. Just saying that's like literally exactly what happened to them. Don't worry about it. So the men walk. And at some point on Saturday, April 3rd, they reach the end of the cave. They figure out, oh, no, there's no way through. There's not, like, a weird thing, passage we can, like, sneak through to find this other half of the cave. It's just blocked off. That's fine. Although, as someone who plays a lot of Minecraft, I just feel like if they had had a pickaxe and, like, 30 seconds, they probably could have made it through. But 
Um, I, I have know. Minecraft. Why have we never connected? Because I have a um, illegal version of Minecraft <laughs> that never updates. So don't worry about it. Um, but, okay, I get that this is like real life and not... They're and not, not gonna, Minecraft. They're not going to find coal and iron on yeah, their way through and get, to the like, other. Attacked by a creeper that's going to blow up and just open I'm, a whole new world for them. I'm always on peaceful mode. I don't know what that is. I literally refuse to play with monsters because I just want to build cool shit. <laughs> I know my brother thinks I'm a loser too. <laughs> so it's unfortunate that this is real life and not Minecraft. They just decided to turn back. They're like, okay, well, we figured it out. So they head back all this while it's still raining outside. Quote from Steve Wilson. The stream we were following trying to get uh, to Blanchard did not fluctuate with the outside rain event. When we got back to the cathedral room Sunday morning, we discovered it was flooded. When we had walked through it on Friday, it was muddy. On Sunday morning, it was just an ocean of water. And it's like 800 meters and it's in a cave and like you can't see the end and like it's mm. like up high enough that it's like uh, too high. Like it's not good. So they're stuck just a little <laughs> bit. Just a skosh. Sure, just a skosh. But don't worry though because these guys are chill. They're like super chill about it. They realize that um, they're not going to make it through the passageway between the cathedral room and the entrance unless the water recedes. And they're aware that that could take days or maybe even weeks. And that's not great but they're like look people know that we're here someone will come and rescue us we're just going to set up camp so they pitch a tent <laughs> made out of their inflatable raft which don't ask me why they didn't use the inflatable raft across the thing i know there's a reason but they never said why uh, maybe just literally maybe the entrance cave. is underwater maybe I, so it's so weird i'm not sure okay but either way They've got their ponchos. They set up their inflatable raft. They make a cute little tent. It's adorbs. They light some candles. <laughs> they set the mood. <laughs> yep. It's, it's about to go down. No, it's bow, not. Bow, bow. <laughs> Actually, I can't really speak to whether or not they were that kind of buddies. It's fine. Either way, it was fine. Weird shit happened in the 60s. Yeah, it's fine. Um, they start to dry themselves out. They're trying to stay warm. Um, they split their remaining food, which is the most 60s meal of all time. Mm. A bologna sandwich and a goddamn can of fruit cocktail. Oh, God. I mean, fucking yuck. Ew. Like, disgusting. Ew. <laughs> so they're aware that they could be waiting a while. They're worried about the food situation. Yeah, that's fair. But they still have water to drink, and that's cool. They are also a little worried because their leader is a diabetic. Oh, shit. Yeah. I assume that he, like, had some medicine on him. Probably not enough to last a couple weeks, yeah, though. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, well, that's a concern. <laughs> but again, pretty chill about it. Um, uh, let's see here. So, also, the cave is just sort of ho constantly hovering at, like, a damp 56 degrees. Ooh. So it's just, like, uncomfortable in yeah. there. It's wet It's cold and enough cold. to be a problem. Mm -hmm. They're worried about getting Long sick. Long term. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Short term, it's manageable, but long term. Exactly. That, and they just ooh. have no idea ooh. when help is going to come. Also, candles only last so long. They didn't even mention that, but I was like, y'all probably only have those candles for like a day. What I'm saying is it's not a great situation. The men quickly started a rotation. While three were sleeping, one would stay up and like just watch the water and see if it started to recede at any point. I'm not really sure why or they couldn't just... Or you know if just... there were monsters in the water. That's where my brain sure, goes. Sure, sure. If they're, I mean, 
I'm only I'm picturing they're on this little like bank before it dips down and gets into the water and then you can't see the other side. So yeah, it's probably creepy as shit in there, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Candles are what they have. Yeah. And then there was a ripple from mm. the middle of the water. It's messy. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, I guess maybe they just didn't want to miss the moment at which the water might recede and then fill back up again if it was still raining or something. Right. So they couldn't all sleep at once just in case they missed their shot. Sure. It's not like there's anything else to fucking do. Right. Exactly. Yeah, might as well. I know. I was like, three men are sleeping while one is always not asleep. There's a lot of sleeping going on. Like, it's like an eight hour of... rotation uh -huh. in the day. It's crazy. But again, yeah, they don't have much to do. They're just chilling, not eating. So I guess I'd sleep too. Yep. So, um, Steve said that he and his friends would spend a lot of time trying to imagine what was happening outside in the rest of the world, whether anybody was looking for us. That's morbid. Uh-huh. Not, not a great feeling, I'm sure. No. So, I will just say here, just going to kind of cut to the chase, while they didn't have luck in the getting out of the cave department or the having actual food department, <laughs> they did get some luck in the rescue department. Ah! Two of the men who usually went cave exploring with Steve and his friends, there's two extra dudes in this group, turns out. They Whoa. weren't able to make it. So he technically has five friends. Whoa. He for sure has Upgrade. five. I know, right? Five whole friends. Almost doubled. Woo! Look at you. So those two weren't able to make it. Because they're losers who didn't want to get stuck in a cave with their friends. You know? They are not true friends. Um, maybe they just weren't into the orgy. <laughs> well, that sounds like a them problem. Uh-huh losers mm -hmm. all right so cave orgies so one of those guys that didn't make it was aware that they had gone to that particular cave and aware that it rained a whole shit ton and was like uh-oh that's a problem uh-oh uh-oh see he had no feeling yes he There's did tie to our story Woo! not even the survivors just this just, random just a dude. feeling he's not even named what's up all right so <laughs> this guy Mystery man with the uh-oh feeling calls the authorities and he's like, my idiot friends are probably trapped in Roland Cave. Just an FYI, a volunteer rescue team is quickly assembled of just like people in the area. Um, but they reached the mouth of the cave, saw the aforementioned ocean of water and were like, fuck. <laughs> so to be fair, they did try twice to wade or swim through or like send some floaty thing. It didn't work. They stood, the water's too deep. You can't fucking see anything. There's like stalactites and shit. Owie. It's not great. So. Don't want to go swimming in that. Yes. One weird thing. The men inside aren't sure if anyone is out there. Cause again, you like can't really see like, you know, you know, like where the entrance is, but like, it doesn't really matter. You can't really see people or hear people. Sure. So at one point, they find this string of electrical lights that's strung up on the side of the cave because there's, like, some entrepreneur that does, like, tours. Sure. During some seasons. Probably not this season. No. The rainy season. Yeah. And so they, they scrape a metal knife across it and short it out. And that's, they're hoping that lets people know, we're in here, we just turn these lights out. Or, like, I guess they flashed them on and off. Huh. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. And the people outside. A little dangerous. A little but, dangerous. Uh, okay. Uh -huh. Maybe we're that... surrounded by water and we're super damp. Let's play with electric. Yeah, maybe that handle is like plastic or some shit. Hopefully. Yeah, you gotta think. And hopefully like they have like mudder boots where they've got a nice plastic sole. Yeah, right. Really grounded. Jesus. Just... So as it happens, the volunteer crew is outside when this happens and they do see it. It's pretty rad. And then they start sending their own signals back in Morse code. Uh-oh. 
But you know what sucks about Morse code? You have to know Morse code in order for it to make sense. Uh-huh. And sometimes you and your buddies who are stuck in a cave don't know Morse code. And uh, I'm, I was having, like, a crisis. This is in all caps because this is literally the first time in a story where I've heard about Morse code being used and it actually wasn't useful. Whereas every time I read one of those where it's like, well, they started sending me Morse code and I totally got it. I'm like, what do you... Who fucking knows Morse code? I was that weird kid who tried to learn Morse code. Of course. Yeah. Useful, though, apparently. Yeah. Just for, you know, that one situation where you might need it. It I, didn't stick. Well, sure. But, like, I tried. Be, yeah, you'd have to be using it constantly yeah. or at least sometimes to yeah. know. I would say I want to learn just the phrase, I don't know Morse code. <laughs> In Morse code. <laughs> right. It's a good It's a good phrase to know in just about any language. Exactly. I, I don't like, speak. <laughs> where's the bathroom? I don't speak this language. Donde esta la I'm from America. Yes. <laughs> Où est mes pantalons? Where are my pants? <laughs> I always need to know that one. Yeah. Where so, are my pants? Where are my pants? I don't speak this language. Mm -hmm. Where's the library? <laughs> where's the bathroom? You always need to know where those three things are. Your pants, your library, your bathroom. Yeah. Sometimes your pants are in the bathroom at the library. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Woo! So this is the first time this has ever happened to me in a Survivor story, but these guys didn't know Morse code, and it is the most hashtag relatable thing that has ever happened. <laughs> Emily was taking a drink. <laughs> You just said that with such passion. <laughs> I was like real and stoked. I wish you guys could see her hands when she was doing it. I was so stoked. Just like making a fist. Like this is the most re hashtag relatable thing. And just like, oh. oh All right. Oh. I just want to know that even with my lack of skills, I might also be able to survive something like this. See, I would just start blinking back random shit. But they can't see you. Also, but I would just be blinking back random oh, shit, sure. and then they'd be like, that makes no sense. Right, they'd be they like, must not know Morse code. Apple butthole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need to learn how to spell that in Morse code. Apple butthole? Apple Absolutely. Butthole. Ooh, title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay. An apple butthole a day keeps a doctor away. Uh, oh! You're welcome. What is an apple butthole? Is it a butthole that's flavored like apples? Is it an apple that looks like a butthole? What is it? What is it? <laughs> Emily's trying really hard to decide. So is it like the shape of the butt with then like the butthole is the core? So oh, like it okay. like peaks just right. See now I'm But then I'm, your butt's got a weird dip on the bottom. I'm picturing like it's the side of the apple, so that looks kinda like a butt. It's like an it's one of them yeah. round boys. Yeah. But then you just got like a wormhole. Like, right? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Alright, let's not talk about this. We're the worst. Okay, I'm gonna we stop must thinking about it. I'm gonna try. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no promises. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let your dog in. Okay. She's going to make clicky clacky noises all over my fucking audio. Yeah, I know. So, even with all that garbage of them not knowing a very vital thing, apparently. Yeah. Word did eventually spread to sort of like the East Coast in general. Like sure. Just people were hearing, oh my God, dude, stuck in cave. Yeah. So. I just got stuck on the cord. It's fine. I'm fine. 
door. <laughs> oh my god. This one's gotten weird. <laughs> I love it. So three U.S. Navy divers and three volunteer rescue crew members from the National Speleological Society. Oh, must... spelunking with the speleological Yes. Oh my god, I didn't know that like if you are a spelunker, Wait. you could be a member of the Hold speleological on. society. Yeah. And it looks as weird as you think. It's S-B-E-L-E-O. Yes, it's speleology. Speely speleology? 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 Speely there is an extra O in there. Speely speleology? <laughs> That's too many L's. Speleology. <laughs> speleology? Speleology. Speleology. Oh my god. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Weird. We just spent way too much time with that. We did. Is the scientific study of caves and other karst features okay their makeup structure physical properties history life forms and the processes by which they form and change over time my god my god well here we are we've learned something What's here today look we've had a lot of fun here today <laughs> so some dudes from the national <laughs> society <laughs> boarded a plane at Andrews Air Force Base and flew to Little Rock, Arkansas. And they arrive at said cave on Monday, April 5th. To so, start the... so this has just been a few days. Yes. This isn't like a three-week process. This is so... a light one. As I said, these guys are not trapped that long. Ah! No, well, hit me. you fucking butt. <laughs> so yeah, these guys are... This is not a horrible story. They don't eat each other. Nobody dies of fucking, like, diabetes. Like, we're fine. Nobody so, gets dysentery and right. gets kicked off the wagon. Right. I mean, it's not all fun and games. I'll just, we'll, we'll get there. Oh. So, when they get there, when this team of rescuers gets there, they are greeted by the volunteer crew, the authorities, and just a bunch of other people. Mainly the friends and family of the guys stuck inside. See, they have more friends. I guess. They're not named. I know he's got one more friend, and that's his wife. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve Wilson... You're has making a, a lot of assumptions about their marriage. I mean, it's pretty adorbs. I'm just saying. She is 21 years old. Her name is Joe Wilson. She had to learn that her husband was trapped in a cave from the neighbor because they couldn't afford a phone because it is 1965 Arkansas. Mm. Whoopsie daisy. Okay. So one of the Navy divers puts on his gear, grabs a line. The other one is too, but he kind of like, he's the one with the line and he goes out ahead and they just, that's what they decided they had to do. They have to dive to get th to these guys. Sure. So they're doing some scuba-ing scuba -ing. and he's got a line that he's trying to take to them and he makes his way through the flooded part of the cave uh, and he reaches them just fine. He is a professional. Steve is the one on watch when this happens. And it's funny because like his three friends are asleep and he's awake and he's, he says, quote, <laughs> He told me to hang on to the rope, and he just had to go back and get his buddy who was having air trouble. So here I am. The other three are still sleeping, and I'm holding on to this rope as the only evidence that any of this happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I was like, yeah, if I yeah. didn't have this rope, I would have been like, okay. I just made that up, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm hallucinating. Exactly. <laughs> I'm starting to get very hungry, and I'm losing my fucking mind. Exactly, but he's like... He wakes all his friends up. He's like, look. Look at this rope. I literally swear to God someone was just here. So <laughs> the diver, who's a real person that Steve did not make up, right. came back eventually with another guy. And they gave scuba gear to one guy. They said, we're going to have to do this one at a time. 
And so you have to put on the scuba gear and you swim. You hold the line the whole time. Anybody who's been like in an underwater cave yeah. knows you have to hold that line. Because so if you let go of that line, you're fucked. Because the thing about it is it's pitch fucking yeah. black under there. Only like the most, even the most experienced divers mm-hmm. can get lost in a pitch black cave. In a blitz pack cave. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm just saying like. They, they had to do this one at a time. It took about an hour per person mm-hmm. to get back and forth, all that. And they do. They do it. This yeah. shit almost goes perfectly. Almost. Don't worry about it. I am absolutely worried about it. <laughs> so Steve is the last guy to be taken. So he evolves to his final form of scuba Steve. Exactly. Okay. He's skeeving it all over the place, <laughs> waiting for them to return. And he's he's told he has to be last because he's the smallest guy, and he won't need as much help getting on his scuba gear. Whatever, fine. I'm just picturing him now as, like, the tiniest little man. I love him. So Steve has been waiting four hours total at that point since the first time he saw the diver. So he's like, get me the fuck out of this I goddamn cave. like, alone in that cave for uh-huh. an hour. Just hearing, like, the random drip droops. Of the cave stuff and like just alone and cold and tired of it. Yep. So they finally get back to him. He doesn't have any fucking scuba experience at all. So he's, he says, quote, as they're getting him together and he gets in the water, I'm on the verge of panic the entire time. (laughs) Which is really bad for scuba diving, actually. (laughs) It is. You cannot panic. You also, um... You really, you can't be claustrophobic. Oh, yeah. Because, because it feels like. It feels like it. Because we actually mm-hmm. had that experience when I went snorkeling, like, with my mom. She was claustrophobic and she couldn't have the mask. Oh, yeah. Because it made it Makes look it... like it was a really small space. Yeah. And also you feel the pressure of the water all around yep, you. You feel the pressure of the water. You can't breathe through your nose. So you right. have to breathe through your mouth and mm-hmm. you have to breathe at a reasonable pace. You can't mm-hmm. start panting. You can't start panicking. Right. Cause you're going to burn through that oxygen. Like nobody's business. Yes. That is exactly what uh, Steve says. Oh. He was worried about, you know, keeping his breathing normal the whole time. It is so dark. He can barely see the guy out ahead of him. He's like desperately clinging to this line. Sure. Just really, really trying not to fuck this up for himself or for anybody else. Because right. That's the other thing. You can really fuck shit up Ooh. for other people. Fast. You can die. Yes. You can die. And then you can make other people have to try to find you. And then they die. That has happened. That has happened. There's the that one blue hole. Yes. That really big. Yeah. Like, that they really like strongly recommend do not dive. Yeah. And that a guy went down and his like friend tried to rescue his mm-hmm. body and, and ended up dying. Yeah, he got like his foot caught or something, yeah. and the other guy came down and yeah. he panicked and he died. Yep. There's just bodies down there. Because yep. that happens real easy. Yep. So don't dive in caves. Yes, don't dive in caves. Unless you have to to get yourself out of a cave. Sure. But also so this is real scary. It takes a really long time. He felt he was like, I know it was only like a few hundred meters, but I still it just it felt feels like, like an eternity. It feels like forever. But he makes it out. Good. So he, he, he keeps it together. He listens to what the divers told him. He doesn't totally lose it. And he eventually makes it out of the cave where his wife and his friends and his family Aww. are. And everybody's fine. And it's lovely. Those three American military divers are probably Navy SEALs. They are actually. Oh! Yeah, they're Navy. Oh. Uh, I don't know if they're Navy SEALs, but they're they are They're probably Navy. Navy SEALs. I was saying that it's lovely. Mm. For about a minute. Mm. This part... This is the part of our story where it gets a little bit sad. Okay. (laughs) So. (laughs) It's true, though. Hold on. (laughs) So after 
After getting all the men back to safety, the second Navy rescue diver, a master diver with over 15 years of experience, a 39-year-old man named Lyle Thomas, collapses at the mouth of the cave. Uh Uh-oh. He has apparently had a heart attack, and even though there is a medical crew on the scene for this very purpose, he dies. Sometimes with a heart attack, you can't save it. Yeah. I mean, they might have been able to save him now. Yeah. It's, yeah, still, it's 1965. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like, he's just, and as far as they said, like, he died fast. It was not a, he's got time type of thing. He collapsed and he was basically dead. Um, And, you know, uh, there's any number of reasons for that. The diving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like all those times really could have had a thing, but also he could have just had that in his family. Yeah, he could have just, he could have had a clogged artery that just then was aggravated with the diving. All the differences in pressure all the time. People stroke out in those situations. Why not have a heart attack? So that was sad. Uh, Steve says, I was totally shocked. And the fact that somebody would end up giving their life to save ours was an awful feeling. Steve, Uh-oh. I know. Survivor's guilt. <clears throat> exactly. Steve still thinks about Lyle all the time. Aww. His mother used to remind him that rescuers, she was a nurse, and she says rescuers, first responders, they know the risks of what they're getting into. Yep. They choose to do it anyway. He was a volunteer. He wanted to do that. Yep. He knew what he was getting into. It's okay. And so Steve is 74 years old now. And the reason why I found his story is because it resurfaced in the press after the Thai soccer team story. Sure. It's like Arkansas News was like, there's a guy who went through a similar thing who just like all of these memories are getting resurfaced for him because he's hearing these stories of these kids and what they have to do to get out of the caves. And he's really worried about them. And just like he says at the end, he has some advice for the boys who at the time were in the middle of being rescued. Yeah. Um, And I think it's just good advice in general. Wilson said he would tell the children to persevere, pay attention, and listen to the first responders trying to save their lives. So, yeah. I have advice from my survivor. Really? Yeah. What is it? Um, I would advise anyone going through a similar situation, pray a lot. Stay focused and always be aware of your surroundings. Try and have someone with you at all times, and especially if you have to go anywhere. Arm yourself with a gun. You must have protection. To date, I still don't know who a person in this situation is could call other than family or friends to support. It can be overwhelming. Okay. Her advice is not as good, but her um, advice is just very specific. It's very specific and that's fine. Call the cops, see something, say something, tell somebody, yes, don't let yourself feel so isolated. Yep. But they had some similar things there. Like the perseverance to pay attention, pay the fuck attention to I your mean, surroundings that should honestly be like hashtag trust your gut and then yeah. hashtag pay attention yeah <laughs> like just no matter what you're going through be aware of your surroundings don't think people are harmless um tell somebody when something terrible is happening something, to say you something don't go into a cave <laughs> ever we have confused probably. feelings about the name steven because we, we do know some good steves we're not sure we know many good steves i and, do know um, a bad steve we know at least one bad steve yeah and uh you know last but not least don't forget your can of water god damn it <laughs> <laughs> oh slip that one in there that was smooth right in there. That was oh so- you know what next week is what chicago <laughs> Hey guys, us again real quick. Woo, surprise! <laughs> we mentioned Chicago in a weird voice yeah. le- right there. Yeah. Hey, so October 6th, it's that thing we've been talking about. Yeah. We're going to be recording live 
at a podcast festival. Yes, the Women in Podcasting Festival. Yes, in Chicago. Again, October 6th. Mm-hmm. Our time, we got it, is 1230. Yes. And it's going to be at the Otherworld Theater, again, in Chicago. There are no age restrictions, though, again, we specifically are usually more of a mature audience just because of the content and yes. what we talk about. And the fact that we can't stop and swearing to save yeah, our lives. Um, I mean, it just, it happens. It fucking <laughs> happens, okay? But yeah. So, um, but there are a variety of podcasts. If you go to the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And you should. There's a lot of women-run podcasts. There's so many. There's like, I don't even know. There's a bunch that like. There's one so far super the, friendly. There's one called the Icky Lousy Junkie Life Showdown, and I'm like so excited. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's going to be so many cool ones, and we're really excited to meet all those people. And you guys should come and see. Seats are limited. Yes, seats it's are an limited. Eighty seat theater. Yes, and we want to make are sure. Available. Yes, we want to make sure we pack the house for as many of, of these as we can, but also like they are limited. So you want to get expecting your... to sell out. Yes, you got to get your tickets ahead of time. You can go to Eventbrite.com. That's event bright b-r-i-t-e dot com and uh, find your tickets for the women in podcasting festival Woo! it's also on our facebook page yes and they have their own facebook event for this so mm-hmm. if you aren't sure or you want to make a note to yourself just save the event or say you're interested loads of ways you can find it totally no excuses get your butts down there Woo! <laughs>